Welcome to this year, 19th episode of the Future Barn Podcast. Um, it's the fourth interstitial episode. I've been away for a, a teeny bit. Um, I've been on a mental health break. Um, yeah, so I wanted to hop on here and explain my absence and and also uh, provide you a little content to keep us going on this train, uh, chugging into 2021. Um, yeah, so... I, like I've mentioned on here before, I have bipolar disorder. Um, you know, there's a more specific of that. There's different types of bipolar disorder. But for general knowledge, I have bipolar disorder. And, you know, so one of the things that that brings along with it are these large episodic mood swings um, cycling between low, the lows of depression and the highs of mania, uh, which can come in both positive and negative forms. Um, but I get... Especially when I'm going through periods of grief, like I'm going through now, uh, with my wife leaving, I I will have these more sustained, longer uh, episodic cycles. Um, you know, this one lasting about eight days, where I just couldn't. I just, among other things, I didn't have the energy um, or um, the grounding to do episodes of the podcast like I intended um I mean I wasn't bathing or feeding myself properly or um yeah pretty much accomplishing anything besides walking my dog um and that's that's what I've come to know that's the thing I'm learning how to manage you know this is a disorder that I've had for a long time obviously most of my life but it's also something um, that has just been diagnosed in the, you know, the last year. So, um, yeah, so as I'm, one of the things I'm learning is that I have to step back at times. Um, I'm not the kind, I'm not, because of my disorder, I'm not the kind of person who can just push through, who can just, uh, you know, uh, after a defeat or after a tough moment, just brush it off and move on. Um, that doesn't work for me. It's not how, um, the chemicals in my brain respond. It's not how, um, 
whatever this self that I am uh, can handle right now. Um, you know, my mom the other day was telling me as encouragement about this lady who's in her 60s who's dealing that she heard about who's dealing with bipolar disorder and puts a lot of her energy towards volunteering. And the thing about volunteering for this woman, and I've learned about a lot of people with mental illness, is that it gives us, like work, it gives us a real identity, a real purpose, a place to go, a community. Um, but it also is free of some of the entanglements of jobs or other commitments, where if you're volunteering and you need to back off, it's usually pretty well understood that that can happen. Um, and it can flood in your time commitment and energy commitment can fluctuate um, based on uh, the management of your illness. Um, and so that's so that's kind of how I'm seeing this podcast too, is something I'm doing for the community. It's something I love dearly. I love having these conversations and I love um, thinking about these things and talking about these things. Um, but also it's something I'm doing uh, in honor of my community, but also for my community to see themselves in, um, here in Elwood, Indiana. Um, yeah. And so, so the next step of that, the next thing I'm learning how to manage is how to recover, how to recover from my episodes quicker, um, more gracefully, um, and more productively. Um, and I, and I think as I'm coming out of these, this episode, one of the things I'm doing is choosing activities that um, rebuild my spirit in a way, and this certainly does that. Um, so that's why I want to do an interstitial episode um, so that I can um, give recommendations and read you a poem and talk about the future of this, of this podcast heading into 2021 um, as a way to, yeah, uh, not only keep y'all's attention, but also for me to um, refocus my own attention. Uh, yeah, so 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 that's why I wanted to end this hiatus and this year with an interstitial, um, something to get us um, into the new year with this podcast. So thank you for all your support this year. Um, and yeah, so this one... I'm changing up the interstitial a little. Uh, I'm I'm gonna just give you three facts that I've learned. I really like facts. I think facts are very important. Um, and so, three things I've learned recently that I wanted to share. Um, I'll share a joke uh, on my old podcast, um, Dispatches from Elsewhere. I used to do a joke uh, that I'd write or that I heard that I liked. You know, just a stupid street joke, a joke, joke kind of thing. So I'll, I'll do one of those that I've written that I liked. Um, about Thanksgiving, we'll do a Wilkie moment where I read you uh, some stuff from a book about Wilkie. Um, I'll give you my more Rex, uh, more Rex, um, some recommendations here at the end of 2020, and I will also do the glitching section where I kind of talk you through my thought process on something important to me, and then we'll end with a poem. Um, that I've selected specifically for this podcast. Um, yes. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your patience. Thanks uh, to those of you who've reached out and asked how I'm doing. Um, I'm doing much better. Uh, and together, we will all do much better. So thank you. Uh, subscribe. And 
be be well. Here are three facts I've learned recently um, that I wanted to share with you. I've been reading this book um, by Rick Hansen called The Buddha's Brain, and it's um, it's looking at how the tenets of meditation and mindfulness uh, actually work from a scientific perspective. Um, and there's this part that I think is really interesting, and it's it's about how this uh, there's similar neural circuitry that is used um, in approach and approaching and avoiding certain mental states. Um, that is the same. That is similar circuitry that is used towards physical objects. So uh, Hansen makes the point that a human pursuing self worth is using similar n- neural circuitry to a lizard that's hiding under a rock. So those same sort of um, things, approaching mental states and approaching physical objects, are firing similar pathways in the brain. And I thought that was super fascinating. Um, also, kind of. In COVID-related news, um, I just saw in the New York Times that the FDA approved Pfizer's vaccine, and that will be shipping immediately. Um, the U.S. government bought 100 million doses, which will cover 50 million people. Um, and a while back, apparently, the government refused to buy more um, from Pfizer ahead of time, and so their allotment there has went elsewhere Um there the yeah we could have got additional ones but now we want from Pfizer but we're looks like um we will be buying 100 million doses of Moderna's as well when that's approved um so that's heading towards a good thing um yes and then i and then for the basketball fans which is, includes myself so a really interesting stat today on ball numbers um Instagram account that LeBron James's career average is 27.7 rebounds and 7 assists per game. But what's interesting is um, he has never had that exact stat line, 27-7-7, and in a single game in his entire career. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a weird, quirky stat. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed those. If you have any cool facts you've learned recently, leave us a message. Um, on the Anchor app or send me an email or other form of communication letting me know. Here's a joke for you that I wrote this Thanksgiving. What do you call it when a large-chested gal wears a sports bra to Thanksgiving dinner? Mashed patitties. This episode's A Wilkie Moment is brought to you by Steve Neal's biography of Wendell Wilkie called Dark Horse. And it comes from chapter 14 called The Home Front. And... It's kind of looking at after the election when Wilkie lost FDR um, and kind of Wilkie's position in the government uh, over the next couple of years. With the coming of war, Wendell L. Wilkie remained in the political spotlight. 
The Gallup poll reported that American voters rated him as FDR's most likely successor in the White House, and there were indications that Republican leaders were beginning to listen to their rank-and-file members. In December of 1941, the Republican magazine disclosed that a national survey of party leaders showed him as their overwhelming favorite for 1944. Wilkie received 42% of the vote, compared with Taft's 19, Dewey's 15, and Hoover's 6%. Some prominent New York Republicans were urging Wilkie to seek the governorship in 1942 as a tune-up for a second presidential bid. Walter Lippmann called on FDR to name Wilkie as wartime production chief, a position which generally interested him. On January 13, 1942, he met with the president amid rumors that he was being considered for this slot. Just before this conference, Wilkie had been offered an appointment by Secretary Perkins as arbitrator for the National War Labor Board. Though it was not the job he had in mind, he promised to consider it. Arriving at the White House, he was irritated to find that Press Secretary Stephen Early had tipped reporters about the Labor Board offer. He turned it down. In the Oval Office, Wilkie reminded the president that he had called for a single director for the war effort 124 times and was planning another demand that night in his speech before the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Senator Harry S. Truman, chairman of a committee investigating the war effort, had also informed Roosevelt that he was going to issue a public blast. Late in the afternoon, FDR reached a decision. Although Wilkie had powerful supporters for the job, Harry Hopkins had argued persuasively that he might use it as a political football. The president named Donald M. Nelson, a former Sears Roebuck executive, then serving as director of the Government Supplies, Priorities, and Allocations Board. FDR told him to write out his own executive order defining the War Production Board's powers and he would sign it. Only a few minutes before he was scheduled to address the mayors, Wilkie learned of Nelson's appointment and was forced to make a major rewrite of his speech. While he was disappointed that he had been passed over, Wilkie denied that there had been a falling out over this incident. To say that two men have fallen out implies that there was once some sort of agreement or understanding between them. I don't have and never have had any personal relationship with President Roosevelt. I saw him perhaps a dozen times in all before I ever thought of becoming a presidential candidate, never on political matters. Those meetings were always pleasant in tone, but in them the president expressed his views frankly and I replied or presented mine equally frankly. Generally, as a matter of fact, we were discussing things in the administration's economic policy with which I didn't agree. In the past few years, Wilkie added, when the president's foreign policy has been much along the same lines, I have agreed with him and have frankly said so. When I have not agreed, I have likewise expressed myself and with equal candor. There has never been any understanding between us that I should do or say certain things or that he should do or say certain things. On this same day, Wilkie had a cordial meeting with Churchill at the White House. The Prime Minister later recalled that during his vacation in Palm Beach, he had placed a phone call to Wilkie and through an operator's mistake found himself talking with FDR. I presume you do not mind my having wished to speak to Wendell Wilkie, asked Churchill. The president assured him that it was perfectly appropriate and suggested that he invite Wilkie to meet him at the White House. Churchill asked me, Wilkie recalled, if I were going to be associated with the government. 
I called his attention to the difference between the American and British constitutional systems. In Great Britain, an opposition leader who joins the cabinet remains a free agent with full right to differ publicly with the head of the government. Alright, I just wanted to uh, drop in here and for this more Rex, more Rex section um, and give you five quick recommendations of things I've been enjoying that I think the listeners of this podcast might also enjoy. Um, if you're looking for some books to get with uh, your Christmas money or if you have some last minute uh, stocking stuffers you need for, and a book would be a good size and shape and price, um, might I suggest a book by David Sedaris. He's someone that I think is very widely popular, so I'm not so many people have heard of him, but he's someone that I always like to remind people of um, because I think he's the perfect um, balance of literary and accessible. He's very smart. He's very witty. Um, has a great sense for storytelling, um, but also does it in a very colloquial, um, relatable way. Um, and I'm I'm in the middle of reading Naked, uh, one of his memoirs, and yeah, and he's just talking about his childhood and a large family growing up as a gay kid in the, in North Carolina, and yeah, just the precociousness from which he portrays himself, which is actually part of the way he's portraying himself as a writer, but also as a child character, um, is just. Uh, in those moments where you want to read something substantial, but maybe your your mind's not uh, ready for something beefy, Sedaris' work um, is both pleasurable and uh, really informing of the human condition. So I highly recommend David Sedaris. Um, Me Talk Pretty One Day is probably a great um, introduction. And then also, he I know... Uh, Best of Me just came out, which is like his uh, selected works. It's like a greatest hits type thing. So check that out. Um, I also want to recommend folks shopping uh, locally or through independent businesses. I'm, I'm not great on this all the time. I'm trying to be better. Um, the convenience of certain unnamed uh, online retailers... Sometimes gets the best of me, um, but here in central in- Indiana, there's wonderful shops um, such as Elwood's Gypsy Soul. Um, you know, there's all the restaurants, you know, locally um, that need business right now. So now's a great time to buy gift cards uh, for stocking stuffers and gifts and all that good stuff. Um, and you know, uh, some of the folks um, who have been on this podcast have uh have or work for local businesses you know morgan jackman owns uh rebellious makeup by morgan now's a great time to get a gift card or go in there um i know she's having some holiday deals um yeah heather collier does there's a variety of great crafts crafts and that she sells bows and and she's doing um kink uh products right now and so just yeah it's, um, folks like that, just 
something I'm practicing and I'm encouraging everyone to also do is to be thoughtful with how and where you spend your money. It's not always about getting the best price. It's not always about convenience. It's about community. Um, and I need to slow down sometimes with that. Um, and so that's reminding myself as well. Um, yeah, so shop locally. Uh, number three, uh, Rolling Stone magazine just released their top country Americana albums list, top 30 list. A lot of my favorites are on there. Sturgill Simpson, Margot Price, Joshua Ray Walker, um, Mike and the Moon Pies. I'm sure there are Lily Hyatt's on there. So a lot of great albums. Some of my favorite albums of the year. Um, other ones they left off, I also wanted to, uh, in my never-ending quest to prove that contemporary country music doesn't have to suck, um, I wanted to also recommend a couple other ones. Coulter Wall had an album come out this year, Wester Swing and Waltzes, I believe it was called. That is just him continuing to, um, he has this amazing deep voice. He's continuing to evolve the songs he's writing around that voice. Um, Possessed by Paul James had a great album come out this year um, that could have easily made this list. Um, be at Rest might be one of my favorite songs of the year um, by Possessed by Paul James. Sam Doors, uh, who is one of the guys in the Deslons, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. Sam Doors had a, his first solo album come out this year. Um, and I think it, it it's very much worth a listen. Uh, and then Tyler, Tyler Childers had a pretty uh, unconventional album come out this year, a surprise album of, of fiddle songs with one um, important political track at the end called A Long Violent History. And, you know, that didn't make the list, but I think it's a, a, both for its social impact and what that means in country music and then also um, for him learning how to play fiddle and as a professional musician putting himself out there like that. Uh, it's uh, mighty important. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so that list is great. Uh, another thing I, I did the other day was went through and looked at stuff that I had missed, you know. I, the number one album on that was Ashley McBride's new album, and she's someone that my a few friends rave about and tell me about and I've never gotten into so, you know, I've added her to a playlist. Um, some of the other ones on there, adding them too. So I like to comb through that and do that. Um, for uh, my binge watchers out there, if you want a really interesting uh, show, check out Longmire on Netflix. My dad got me into it. I went on vacation with him recently, and we were hanging out in the camper. And he was watching this show, Longmire, and it's like, the best way I can describe it, it's in the vein of like Friday Night Lights or even like Grey's Anatomy, but it's, um, but it's set in Wyoming, like present day Wyoming, and it follows this sheriff, Walter Longmire, who um, is battling his own personal demons while also um, trying to battle the literal demons of his community. Um, and it's got some, uh, yeah, it's just a very interesting uh, contemporary Western story. Um, but still in a very palatable uh, medium, very bingeable uh, kind of series. So Longmire, check that out. 
And last but not least, I've been obsessed with uh, Navita's Organic Essential Superfood Blend. It's like a powder um, that I, I drink with. I mix it with a banana and 16 ounces of almond milk every morning. And they have vanilla and chocolate flavor. And it has um, superfoods and greens and all this stuff that I don't eat enough of. And it's a really sneaky um, way to, um, to get that in my diet. Um, and to help start my day with a boost of good food, good nutrients in my body. Uh, something I, I'm not great at. I know it's not always easy to do here in the Midwest. Um, so, yeah, Navitas uh, Central Superfood Blend. Check it out. Fresh Time has it. If you're in your Muncie or Carmel and Indy, uh, it's over there with all those other powders. Highly recommend. All right. Um, yeah. If you have anything to recommend to me, same old deal. Um, send me a message on the Anchor app or shoot me an email or some other form of communication through my website, uh, yourbuddytgob.com. Thank you. For today's um, section called Glitching, um, where I, where I like to think through a problem or something I notice happening out loud so both I can have a record of it and then also y'all can see one person's thought process, um, in dealing with a situation. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, as a person with a mental illness, having to adjust my expectations and my plans for my life. Um, in my current situation and, but I think it's applicable, the thought process is applicable to, to any other sort of, you know, life journey where, you know, there's going to be dips and turns and twists and surprises and letdowns, um, and we have to readjust. Um, and I'm learning how to do that. I'm not very good at that, um, both personality wise and, um, because of the disorder, I catastrophize a lot of things. Everything's the end of the world. Everything's, um, I'm very, I'm a very sensitive fella. Um, and what I've realized in this last, this last little pitfall I had is that the expectations and plans for my life were made for a completely different person than the one I am currently and the one I am capable of being over the last well, my whole adult life, I was preparing for a life in education. I was preparing for, um, I was, I was interested in the tradition, more traditional routes of living, of getting a, I was hoping to get a tenured job at a college or a university. I was hoping to find that right person to marry and have kids and, um, do all that. Um, and be kind of squirrely and weird within those traditional boundaries. Um, what I've realized over the last five, well, year, but what became evident over the last several years is that I was building, I had, I was building this box for something that I wasn't. I'm not a traditional person. I'm not a stable person. I'm not, I'm someone with a disorder and I'm also someone with 
pretty eclectic views. So that combination doesn't really bode well for being successful in that a more traditional environment or for for um a standard idea of success so what i want so so then lately what's really been bugging me down is that even more micro than that is that i had built so this house i live in it was my grandfather's house i had moved in here with my uh, now ex-wife she and i had decorated it had uh had picked out everything in it had organized it in a certain way um the house is like a a three two three bath or three bedroom two bath you know it was all set up for us and the possibility of growing a family the possibility of these other opportunities hosting folks and all that and and like being the place where we have christmas parties and all that and because of the events of this year being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, my wife leaving, COVID, those are not the kind of things that I'm capable of or that I am even interested in doing anymore. Um, I'm transitioning to a more uh, uh, single-on-purpose type life, a more, um, yeah, a weirdo-hick artist. I'm a weirdo-hick artist, and that's the kind of life I'm supposed, I feel that I'm supposed to lead. So, and that I'm capable of leading. So now I've like had to readjust my thinking and not be getting disappointed in myself when I'm not meeting like standard goals. Um, so I had, so one of the big things I had to do in this pitfall following it was reorganize my house. I'm shutting down multiple rooms in the house, closing the vents in there, emptying them. I've been getting rid of stuff giving stuff away on Facebook um, and kind of using some of my manic energy on the back end of my episode cycle to um, make this house the house for a single weird weirdo hick artist. And I'm starting to really do that. Um, my dining room is now a spiritual space um, that has an ancestor altar and it has all my it has my mat for doing yoga and for meditating. My living room is no longer a living room, but is now um, kind of my a creative space where I have my desk and I have my record player set up and I have all my books together and organized well. Um, and it's right there in the front big window looking out to the world. Um, and so those kind of changes have helped me feel more comfortable in my own skin as uh, this next iteration of Tyler Gobble. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of how, I, that's kind of the revelation I came to, and I'm happy I came to it, is that um, the containers I'm in need to be the containers that are built for me. Um, I was building a container with another person. That no long, that duo, duo no longer exists, so thus the container is invalid. Um, and the expectations that come along with that are no longer useful. I'm more productive. Uh, yeah. So thanks for listening. That That's what I've been thinking about. This poem is by Jericho Brown. It is called As a Human Being. And it's from uh, his book, The Tradition. As a human being... 
There is the happiness you have and the happiness you deserve. They sit apart from each other the way you and your mother sat on opposite ends of the sofa after an ambulance came to take your father away. Some good doctor will stitch him up and soon an aunt will arrive to drive your mother to the hospital where she will settle next to him forever as promised. She holds the arm of her seat as if she could fall, as if it is the only sturdy thing, and it is, since you've done what you've always wanted, you've fought your father and won, marred him. He'll have a scar, he can see all because of you. And your mother, the only woman you ever cried for, must tend to it as a bride tends to her vows, forsaking all others, no matter how sore the injury. No matter how sore the injury has left you, you sit understanding yourself as a human being finally, free now that nobody's got to love you. Here's the time for gratitude. Thank you to Landon Caldwell slash Creeping Pink for the use of his song uh, Free Yourself to start off this podcast each and every episode. Thank you to my Patreon supporters, um, Enrique Lozano and Paz Pardo, Terry Tan and Billy Burkert, uh, Josh Caldwell, Heather Collier, and uh, Morgan Jackman and family. Um, I appreciate your support of all my work through being a Patreon supporter. Um, if anyone else would like to be a Patreon supporter, it's patreon.com slash yourbuddytgob. And thank you to all of y'all for listening. Please subscribe.